Taylor Swift's Eras Tour breaks $100 million at the box office. A24 wants to create big IP projects, and Marvel fires the staff for Daredevil and hits the reset button on the TV show. Let's break down this week's movie news. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast, another episode of Movie News, where we go through all of the industry news so you don't have to trailer releases, box office, movie announcements, and castings. There's a lot to get into. Let's start with the box office. And what we got, Taylor Swift absolutely demolishing the box office. Her new Eras Tour concert movie debuted with $109 million opening weekend domestically. And this is available to see at every AMC theater around the globe. It's projected to close in at around $300 million domestically on its total run. So this is a huge success and a great thing for movie theaters to make a boatload of money on slow season. This is amazing news for movie theaters. And it's going to be a phenomenon. You can guarantee that other musicians are going to follow suit after seeing how much money this concert is going to make just in theaters. It's going to make billions, obviously, in person, but... A concert movie, $100 million the opening weekend domestic. You can guarantee Beyonce, Bad Bunny, everyone's going to start releasing concert movies in theaters. Beyonce's has been announced, yeah, uh, and I think in a couple of months. So I expect a huge opening weekend for that one as well. So this seems to be a new distribution path for artists and musicians to use after their tour season. So for people, if they want to experience the concert again, or if they maybe couldn't make it to the concert in their city, they can watch it on the big screen. And you couldn't pay eight grand for tickets. <laughs> <laughs> that too. You can go see it in theaters for it's a little cheaper a great cinematic experience. So this looks like it's gonna be a new future form of release in theaters more consistently every year, I bet. Absolutely. And then in second place we have The Exorcist Believer. The sequel in the franchise grossed eleven million dollars this weekend and has brought its total to one hundred and three million globally. So it's become a success. Very, very good box office run so far. It's still probably going to be packing in a good punch in the next few weeks as Despite well. Despite the horrible reviews yes, and yes. ratings, people are still seeing it, I guess. <laughs> I, I guess. I'm still not going to see it. I'm not going to see it. it. I'm not seeing it. Paw Patrol 2 came in third place. They're just scooping up plenty of cash every week. <laughs> They're like third place for like five weeks in a row. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with the bronze medal, man. Extra $6 million. Saw X pulled in a 5.7. The creator... Pulled in a $4 million weekend in its third weekend or fourth weekend. It's only made $30 million domestic. That's not great news. Mm-hmm. A Haunting in Venice, $2 million. The Bind, The Blind, $1.7. The Nun 2, $1.7. Equalizer 3 pulled in an extra million. It's at $90 million in its domestic run, so that's a successful film. And Dumb Money, only $800,000 in its third weekend. $12 million total domestic on a budget of, what, what was it, $35 million plus marketing? I think $30 million, yeah. That it, is going to end up being a bomb. Yeah, because it's not doing anything overseas. Unlike the Equalizer 3 is also performing very well overseas, so it's closing in. It, it might pull in about $180 million for its total run, which would be a big success for the film with a modest budget. The Nun 2 is looking at uh, $87 million domestically right now. And then A Haunting in Venice is at $42 million domestically. So Horror, a, man. a pretty modest success for these films, especially A Haunting in Venice. It looks like it's broke its budget and is in performing well, breaking even now and profiting. But Equalizer and The Nun were very profitable films. Now let's get into the top stories. And there are actually three huge ones, but we'll start like kind of alphabetical order with <laughs> A24. So they want to create 
big IP projects, big action movies. And we talked about this a little bit last week, and they were in a bidding war with, what was it, Miramax? Yes. For the rights to make Halloween TV series and, I believe, film adaptations. The whole IP, yeah. And so Miramax beat them out, and they're going to make a whole universe of Mike Myers, I guess, content, even though he's already had 13 movies. <laughs> I like their tweet. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like you're building a, a verse around one character? I guess so. Yeah, so I, I can get you. Get you can guarantee they're going to start creating original characters in the world. Probably, maybe yeah. another killer. <laughs> People kept commenting "Season of the Witch" as a possible inspiration. I haven't seen those adaptations of the Halloween franchise, but I think there are more extended characters in those movies. Probably, but I'm not totally sure. So Halloween is just getting rolling. It's going to get a get, TV series, multiple movie adaptations going. We going know you forward. missed it. It's been a while. <laughs> now, why does A24 want to create big action movies, big IP projects? And and we've been saying it all year. They lost hundreds of millions of dollars the last year and a half on movies like Bo is Afraid, You're, You Hurt My Feelings, Past Lives. All those movies had budgets over $35 million, and they all performed under $10 million at the box office, meaning that A24 probably lost about $50 million on each of those movies because when you factor in marketing mm -hmm. and you factor in ticket sales, half is going to the movie theaters. I mean, Bo is Afraid didn't break $10 million. Past Lives made like $5 million. And you're, you hurt my feelings under ten million. So I believe that past yeah past lives was uh, about eight or nine million domestically. Yeah. It was very low, so mm -hmm. they lost hundreds of millions of dollars just on these three movies. I mean, if it wasn't for Talk to Me being so successful, eighty million on three million dollar budgets, mm -hmm. they'd be really hurting. But that's why they want IP projects to get a consistent cash flow. IPs, they get guaranteed button seats. Exorcist Believer, the movie's probably terrible. $100 million at the box office. Exactly. And guaranteed merchandise sales, guaranteed fan base. So that's why they need a consistent cash flow. And they've made you know some skeptical decisions on with their movies they're greenlighting. So I'm the movies they're greenlighting are fine. It's this they're giving in these kinds of movies too much money. Uh, there's a you, you gotta understand the business side of it. I understand that they wanna make these medium budget films, but also understand our audiences, general audiences, interested in seeing these kinds of movies, and they clearly aren't. Also, I mean, the hint of this happening was when they greenlit the, a sequel to Talk to Me after its opening weekend. I don't think they've ever made a sequel before. A twenty four. I'm not sure. So the fact that they immediately greenlit the Talk to Me sequel right after its opening weekend being a good success. That was the first indication for they're probably going to look into franchising uh, a lot of films. And also, the action genre is something they've been pretty light on. And action generally performs very well. And even if it's a, a movie that doesn't take off culturally, they still do pretty well at the box office, the like, action movies. So action is a safer um, genre to go if you're trying to generate some cash flow and revenue for your company. And they can still make... So this isn't. This doesn't mean they're never going to make interesting movies again. They can still do both. So they're just dry, They're exploring this new region of making more IP-driven stuff, making more brand projects, and in action, adventure, probably CGI fests in a way, so that they can still continue funding the auteur projects, the the character-driven projects, and giving filmmakers the money they need to make their visions possible. They'll only be able to do that if they can generate more cash flow. So it does not mean A24 is going to stop making really cool movies. They will always be doing that. They just need to do this as well to be able to supplement their money. So that they don't have to sell to Apple. Exactly. Because Apple wants A24. I believe they offered $3 billion at their most recent bid. Damn. And A24 is like, nah, bro, not yet. It's still a very valuable brand. It is. Yeah. It's a huge brand in the film world. And that's why they have to start making some big 
IP projects and get into action movies and things yes. that put butts in seats consistently. They're not going to be making like Fast and Furious movies, yeah, yeah, but yeah. like I think that if they can make a few movies that can generate close to $100 million a couple of times a year, they'll be they'll be solid. And then they can still be they can still continue making the interesting projects. Yes. Let's move on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, next up, Daredevil at Marvel Studios is under fire. So the production of the television series was just put on halt. And Feige and the executives fired the writing and directing staff for the series. After watching the footage of what they've filmed so far and being very dissatisfied with the series. Apparently, Daredevil doesn't even suit up until episode four of the series, which is so mind-blowing to me how you have a superhero character TV series and you don't even see the ca- the hero character until the fourth episode. How is it not the opening scene? How is that the, not the first thing you see? You're the right. The first scene should be Daredevil kicking ass against criminals. What's, what's the first three episodes? Who is knows? Is it just courtroom drama or something? Who knows? Like, what is, if he's not fighting crime as Daredevil... What is the first three episodes that they filmed? It's shocking. I mean, when we talk about this, we talk about Blade. I, I'm not surprised, honestly. I saw this coming a mile away. Blade went through how many rewrites then ended production a week before going into filming. They they stopped the production, hit the reboot button, hit the reset button on Daredevil just now. The reset button right before productions or during productions is shocking. Is anyone reading the scripts at Marvel? Is anyone proofing anything? Or are they saying, are they hiring a bunch of people? Cool. All right, here are the plot points. Great, get it done. Then you're not watching it till it's done? It's unbelievable to me. I saw a comment in one of our clips about it, and someone said that they're probably relying on this method, like the execs are relying on a method of they have a staff, and they're letting the staff handle, like, showrunning duties, basically. And so, like, the execs aren't even – they're not reading the scripts or, or watching the footage – and but their staff is well. Who's the staff? Exactly. So that's the question. It's like <laughs> who are they hiring who, for staff? Yeah. Like if Feige and, and company aren't wa- reading the scripts and watching dailies, then who is? And that's really who's making this, these these decisions. And I feel like that's a mistake of management. And like there should be some hierarchical structure of like there should be people who are actually showrunning the television production as a whole. Like maybe there should be like a group of one or two people, kind of like a. What Warner Brothers just did with DC of maybe one or two people overseeing the production of these shows, who are like in in the trenches, like fig- like understanding what's being written, what's being produced, what's being filmed, and know what they're doing. Because it's absolutely bonkers to me that the execs they're they're producing this show and they haven't watched anything until it's almost done with production. They haven't read anything, and they haven't read anything. It's just shocking to me. 
How do you let a show get made? Basically, I'm sure they shot half the, the entire season. But definitely more than four, four episodes. Because not yeah. only did they finish four episodes, I'm sure they shot so many bits from later on in the yeah, season. Exactly. I mean, they don't shoot chronologically, but they probably shoot episodically for the most part. But that, what a tremendous waste of time and a tremendous waste of money and resources. And this, I, I'm not surprised, though. We just saw this with Blade in October. They were about to go into filming a week before. Director fired. Rewrites complete. Complete rewrite on the script. A whole new movie, basically. After you've already secured your locations, <laughs> Mahershala Ali probably got in stupid, ridiculous shape. Built sets. Insane. Costuming. It's blowing my mind yeah. that they're not reading scripts until they're about to go into production or mid-production. It really makes no sense to me whatsoever. I don't know what's like, going on. How does on. that happen? And then there's another... There's It's got to be a $150 million show. Oh, yeah. Ab- at least. I mean, those courtroom it's, sets. <laughs> people love Daredevil. It's it's a big property for them. But I'm it's not very surprised, valuable. man. Not surprised. Still, let's segue into another Disney issue. So Disney is under fire for a film that they released in the spring called Prom Pact. It's a teen comedy high school film called Prom Pact. And when it came out, it was pretty well received. People like it. Um, However, it's just gone viral. A clip from the series which showcased AI extras in the background of a basketball game scene. And you can see in the crowd... About the first two rows of actors are real people, but then, and there's people sprinkled, like real people sprinkled throughout the stands, the bleachers. However, there are a ton of AI characters there sprinkled in to fill in the gaps between the actual people on, in the scene. And it is, it looks terrible. It's, it looks like video game characters in the fucking stands. But it looks like video games from 1998. Exactly. <laughs> so these are digital scans of actors, people who have sold their the rights to, to use their image Disney and other studios apparently have probably been doing this for years for background extras. And this comes like as a timely moment during the SAG strike, during the AI talks and the troubles with the future of AI. And man, I, I it's just hard to like continue supporting a company that just is continuing to take away jobs, revenue and power from actors. And yet they rely on actors and, Man, especially after the Secret Invasion AI opening credits, like when I saw that, I'm like, I'm not going to watch this show after that. Are you serious? It's an interesting thing to talk about and discuss specifically the extra work because CGI and digital extras have been created since the technology was really developed. If you think about it, when you're talking about movies with stadium sequences or movie theaters or like a basketball game, a lot of sequences actually be surprised how many digital fans there are. It's just odd to see it on such a blatant level where it's like a medium shot of the bleachers and it's literally a row of humans. Then behind them, it's a row of digital CGI and AI people versus, you know, you have to rotoscope or you have to insert 50,000 people into a stadium. You know, that's a conversation where like how you you can't get like a boxing movie. Yeah, you can't just get 50,000 extras out of nowhere. Like when you watch a Creed movie or something like that, half most of the crowd is either animated CGI or superimposed from another stadium. You know, it happens a lot, especially even the concert films, the biopics, the, the Freddie Mercury one, quite a bit of that is oh, yeah. CGI yeah. or f- crowds from other sequences, other performances. Stars Born, even another example. But it's just odd when it's like, literally, it's a medium of, of actors on a bleacher, and then the row behind them, it's fake animated people that it's not even, they're not even hiding it. And it's so obvious and so fake looking yeah. it's just almost like they don't give a crap and they don't care for the audience they're just banking on you being half on your phone 
half looking at the screen that it's like whatever they're not paying attention anyways and the main issue is is these are digital scans of actors who have sold their the rights to use their image forever and that's that's the real issue and then there's there's some articles written about how when actors are signing contracts with studios like Disney to work on a series or to work on uh, like a franchise they are pretty much forced to sell their likeness for use for future purposes and so that's another issue that actors are facing it's like okay sign your likeness with to us oh sign it over to us or don't act in this movie it's up to you do you want to be in this marvel movie or this big tv show or not and so actors are getting put in a situation where they kind of like i have to sign my likeness over because this is my big shot so that's they're put in a terrible yeah, situation that's like why jet Li didn't want to do the matrix reloaded because he didn't want his his own personal style of kung fu and martial arts to be digitally scanned and mm -hmm. owned forever by Warner Brothers. Smart. That's why he he wasn't in that movie. He was mm -hmm. offered it though. But let's he would have been great. <laughs> yeah, he would have been awesome. Let's move on to some more digital tech stuff. So, Best Buy has announced that they will stop selling physical media by the first quarter of 2024, meaning no more Blu-rays, no more DVDs. And this comes amid the ascent of streaming video, obviously. And sales of DVDs and Blu-ray discs have plummeted, specifically the last couple of years. U.S. physical media revenue in the first half of 2023 dropped 28% scary. to $754 million from $1.05 billion the year earlier in that same period. So it's just plummeting. No one's buying DVDs and Blu-rays anymore. What was the revenue of Blu-rays and DVDs in 2005? I would, Well... Was Blu-ray out by then? Okay, just DVDs. Like 2010. Just, just DVDs, No, yeah. but then like go to 2010, 2012, yeah. where Blu-rays, they're a lot more Hot. expensive. They were fire, and yeah. everyone's getting collections built up of Blu-rays. Mm. And, you know, DVDs were kind of dead then, but in the Blu-rays, like the new the medium. The quality was so much better, so yeah. people were like, it has to be Blu-ray. But, like, I, I want, the revenue must have been tens of billions back then because it really helped support the industry in a big way. Even if a film didn't perform well at the box office, it could rely on the revenue from from physical media sales. So this is, I mean, this is the time. This is inevitable. Times are changing. Media is changing. Eventually, I mean, it will get to the point where maybe you can only get these things on Amazon. The physical media? Yeah. Yeah, and stores. Well, you have to also think about so many of these companies like Best Buy, like Target. They have oceans and warehouses full of physical media that they have mm. to try to get off their hands. And so they're working with uh, companies to try to just dump them through, obviously, mm. different chains of of revenue and, and streamlines and stores and everything like that. So they have so much in warehouses. You you can only imagine. It's like the end of Indiana Jones, but exactly. with Blu-rays. Think about that I with Blu-rays and DVDs. Yeah. That's how they have so much of them. I mean, mm -hmm. there's how many Best Buy stores are there in America alone? And then think about their warehouses full of Blu-rays, full of DVDs at that peak, they have. Yeah, at peak uh, Best Buy. I mean, I wonder how many stores they had. So many. Like, that's where everyone... It was that Radio Shack was like... A tiny competitor, but Radio, Radio Shack, Shack was, was more specific. Nothing compared to Best yeah. Buy. It was the size of tiny. like a like a Panda Express. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like Radio Shack was just like here. You need like an HDMI cable. Yeah, that's why I said that's, tiny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said tiny. It shouldn't even be in the same conversation. <laughs> it's a it's tiny. It's a little a little story. If anything, Barnes and Noble is kind of a competitor to Best Buy because they sell DVDs there. I Not mean, as many. I'll take the Radio Shack <laughs> competitor <laughs> as, as opposed to Barnes and Noble. <laughs> Radio Shack's way too small. It's literally called. But Shack. Radio Shack is like where you get. Like, if you need a cord, yeah. If you need like a kind of specific kind of cord, that's the place to go. I need like a headphone jack that will adapt <laughs> to my HDMI. The specific oh. coil, yeah. That's where I you go. I miss Radio Shack. Yeah, Radio Shack was nice. It was a nice store. They, I feel like 
Well, I mean, Best Buy was... batteries, like Radio Shack yeah. was the spot. Best Buy was always nice, too. I mean, they Best Buy did always have... I mean, it still do, I'm sure. I just haven't been in one for a while. But they always had helpful staff and very friendly staff. I wouldn't say friendly. Uh, did you have a bad experience? <laughs> they're just, like, there, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like they they're wanna... just there. They're blue polos just, like, lingering. It's like they don't want to be there. <laughs> lingering. <laughs> they want to go home. They just want to punch the clock and get out of there. They don't want to sell you a TV. <laughs> Or a, a dryer. No, they want to. They want that commission, man. Well, if you're working the floors. Yeah. If you're floor sales. <laughs> Most of them are just like, I just want to go home. <laughs> uh, we love you, Best Buy employees. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. All right, let's move on to a fun announcement. So Michael Mann is doing press for his upcoming film, Ferrari. And he was at a Q&A with Adam Driver and Penelope Cruz. And George Carmi was actually there. He posted a photo on his Instagram. I was so jealous. He was he was there. He was like just ten feet away from them all. He's a, so he's awesome. He's a cool guy. He's a cool dude. And Michael Mann finally publicly confirmed that Heat Two will be his next project. It's official now. It's always it's always just been speculation, but the man himself, Michael Mann, <laughs> has publicly confirmed it. However, Adam Driver isn't confirmed yet, but. I think that we it's safe to assume that it's just probably contract negotiations are underway right now, and I think we, it's safe to say that we can assume Adam Driver will be playing that role in Heat 2. So we'll see. We're waiting for the Adam Driver announcement, but Michael Mann's like, it's the next thing I'm doing. It's going to be based off the Heat 2 book. It's going to be a prequel as well as continued storyline of the story. It's going to yeah. be awesome. I can't wait. It's going to be great. Moving on to some sad news. Michael Caine has announced he's retiring Michael from Caine. acting, and he said, you know, I'm 90 now. All Those are all the roles I can get is just being a nine-year-old man, so I might as well just go out while I'm on top and while I'm still the fucking man. He didn't say, that's, you know, I added, <laughs> I added the last bit. <laughs> but he's officially retiring from acting, yeah. and it's, it's sad, but, I mean, it's a time probably when you're that age and you're like, all yeah. you can be is the old man in movies, I'm done. And because he was the guy for a long time. For quite a while. Especially in Europe in, in – He's a legend. He announced this on uh, radio talk show, BBC Radio 4, uh, while he's promoting his his new film, The Great Escaper, which is actually getting very good reviews. It's being well-received, so I'm actually, I think I might want to check it out. It's releasing soon. So he's promoting that. This will be his final press tour. This is his final movie. Legend. Um, I think I'm going to watch a Michael Caine movie tonight. I kind of want it, too. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds Maybe like I'll watch Harry idea. Brown tonight. It's a great one. <laughs> Maybe I'll watch uh, the Italian job again. <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to blow the bloody doors off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one other thing before we get to recent trailers is a new horror comedy from Diablo Cody, the writer of Juno and Jennifer's Body, which will be directed by Zelda Williams. Robin Williams' daughter, Lisa Frankenstein. This will be a Focus Features film coming out in February 2024. Now, the plot is, in 1989, during a lightning storm, an unpopular high school girl named Lisa accidentally reanimates a handsome Victorian corpse and tries to transform him into the man of her dreams using a broken tanning bed in her garage. This sets the stage for a coming-of-age love story about Lisa, the misunderstood teenager, and her high school crush, who happens to be the reanimated handsome corpse. Together, they embark on a murderous journey to find love, happiness, and a few missing body parts along the way. I think this sounds really funny. Yeah, it's fun. Man, Frankenstein's so hot right now. I know, right? Well, and we're huge Diablo Cody fans, and so sign me up. This looks great. And I believe this will be Zelda Williams' feature-length directorial debut. Yes, I she's believe so. She's done a little bit of TV, and she's done a good bit of acting, but I think this will be her first feature-length film. Yeah. 
I love Diablo. That sounds fun. Yeah, she's she's so funny. All right, let's get into the movie trailers. So we got a bunch of great trailers released this week. First off, the best looking trailer is the Iron Claw. Oh yeah, A twenty four's new wrestling film. Just biceps and <laughs> streaming. Let's go. <laughs> Starring Zac Efron and Jeremy Allen White, as well as Holt McAllany, who's from Mindhunter, and his name was Robert Paulson. His name it, it was, was Robert, Robert Paulson. Paulson. I, I love him. He's a he's a great actor. So I'm glad he looks like he's sensational in this film. It, like I'm guessing. He looks like he could be possible Oscar nominee for supporting actor. He does. Holt. He looks terrific. So this this trailer looks great, dramatic, intense. It shows this very specific world, this community of wrestling, and also the family bond that ties them together, as well as it looks like some serious tragedy. It was a great trailer. Yeah, it's so these four brothers who are basically wrestlers and they're in, in the underground wrestling or an independent wrestling scene mm-hmm. and building that kind of brand up. And it's I can't wait to watch it because we come from a family of all boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we used to wrestle. We used to WrestleMania in the living room. Yeah, as soon as mom and dad went out, we would just move all the furniture and there'd be some injuries. <laughs> it stopped when I got a concussion. <laughs> Remember that yeah. giant bump you had on your head? Yeah. I got kneed in the forehead, and then I had like a huge lump. No, on my you head. F- your f- head fell into the TV stand. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah you forget yeah. because you got a concussion. Yes. <laughs> I saw that man. We thought you died. <laughs> Dude, the I've lump on your t- head. Yeah. We were so worried about you, and we like had to tell mom and dad. <laughs> I actually got to miss school because it was so the lump was so big it was embarrassing. It was and, like there's a softball yeah, in your forehead. I begged mom, and she's like, "Okay, everyone's gonna make fun of you." Yeah, we would have. We would have made fun <laughs> of you. <laughs> but yeah, I had. Two- I was hyping it up at school. I was like, "Wait, do you see? He's got this." giant ball <laughs> on his forehead he looks like such an idiot <laughs> i had i had two concussions as a child <laughs> that, that we know that of. we know of. i think uh, when you grow up in a family of all boys the concussions are just yeah the concussion all concussion over the protocol place. Is you not gave me a concussion i'm pretty sure from remember when we were going to it was we were like 10 or nine and we had to go to church in the morning mom was like yelling at us to get ready because we were just not getting ready <laughs> and then we were chasing each other around the house and so I turned the corner. I was chasing you down a hallway, and I turned the corner, and a door, a closet door, swinging in my face, <laughs> and it smashed me in the head. And I was like, I saw stars, but I was nine. I didn't really know that what a concussion was yeah. completely. I was like, I was just, oh, I gotta get to, we gotta get, because I was like, stop, out, stop playing around. We gotta go to church. Hurry up, hurry up. And so this is when I passed out in church. I fainted yeah, in church. Yeah, middle of church. There's like 300 people, and it was, it's a big church, bigger the, than, dude, it yeah, was stacked. A ton of people in this one. And we were actually like third third aisle. So no, it was, no, it wasn't that. No, we were oh, like midway. Okay, mid, mid, yeah. mid, mid pointish, and then you just passed out in the middle. Fainted, of, and every, everyone was like, "Oh my god!" The priest was like, "God damn, you stole my thunder!" <laughs> I was going off on a great rant. I was in the middle of something, little boy. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, kid. I remember you. You fucking fainted in church. Yeah, but I guarantee it's because you gave me a con- concussion in the morning. I don't see how they could be connected at all. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you gave me stitches, motherfucker. <laughs> True. I got a scar on my True. eye. Yeah, you, yeah, 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 yeah. Payback. I did give you stitches. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, the next trailer was our second trailer for Wonka. And I will say, the second trailer got me a little more excited. Looks much the, better. I'm surprised that they should have dropped this the first time. I'm guessing uh, the, the, so the first trailer had very minimal CGI and effects. Mm-hmm. And so I'm guessing it wasn't ready. Yeah, it was like two four months, months ago, ago right? three months ago. So the CGI. Like eight years ago. <laughs> <laughs> People don't forget. <laughs> Timothy Chalamet filmed this before Dune 1. <laughs> filmed it before Interstellar. <laughs> <laughs> and you could tell a lot of the visual effects shots are in this movie now. So I'm sure they were finishing up and fine-tuning those those shots. It does look a lot better than the first trailer. Looks delightful. Yeah. Looks like a lot of fun. However, I, the character posters look pretty shit. Yeah, they're terrible character posters, man. It's just like them with like a red background or purple background. It's like, green. oh my God, these look terrible. It's just, can't you be more creative? It's, it's just, Wonka. Yeah, I know. 
I want. Why isn't there like chocolate in any? Yeah, poster? where's the candy? Where's the, yeah, where, where is it all? I it's don't just, know. Oh, it's just lame. But the man. trailer does look better. It does look a lot better. It looks delightful and fun. Yes. Next up, we had the trailer for anyone but you. It was. It didn't. It was a leak. It was a leak. Yes. Yeah. So it was leaked on TikTok and only a portion of it. Yeah. And <laughs> this, looks- this looks like the worst movie of the year, honestly. <laughs> so it stars Glenn Powell and Sydney Sweetie. Nobody really knew what the plot of the film was, but so the plot is. They're two people who can't stand each other, but they're going to pretend to be a couple in love to fool their family and friends on some vacation. And it's like the trailer is like they like hate being around each other and like they hold hands and the, around people. But then once they clear the space and nobody's around, they let go of each other's hands. It's like, what, do you, what is this? Like, we, you, know, you already know the plot. It's so cheesy. You can write this before you see the movie. Like, you know how it's going to end. They're going to end up together. And, oh, oh we God. actually love each other. But like. That's not that. It, that's not that tough a, of a deal if you're in either of their shoes. Like I gotta pretend to be in love with Sydney Sweeney. That's what it is. Like they're both so hot. It's like how are these people not at all attracted to each other? I know. It's like, it makes no sense whatsoever. Not that big of a deal. It's no, makes no sense. Oh man, I have to pretend I'm in. I'm in a relationship with Sydney Sweeney for a week. This Fuck is gonna be this. terrible. Oh, I can't even stand I her. Mean, same with Glenn Powell. The yeah. guy's a handsome motherfucker. That's what makes the movie not work <laughs> at all. That, it makes it not work. Well, plus the hot. script sounds not great. Oh my god! From what I saw, it looks absolutely terrible. And I mean, the thing with it is, people are shocked. Like, I can't believe this movie looks so bad. This music choice is terrible. I, I can't believe it, it. This is not going to be funny. It's like, I mean, rom coms have a worse <laughs> in, uh, success rate than restaurants. Like, it's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> like, like rom coms are usually not great. Yeah, they're. Ob- I mean, they're obviously some very famous successful ones, but even the most successful ones aren't really that successful. And I mean, I love rom coms; they're yeah. guilty pleasures for sure. But they're not—it's like hit or miss, big time. Oh, absolutely. So I'm yes. not really surprised that it doesn't look great. Yeah, it's a—it's a rom it's a com. I mean, that's yeah. what we get. That's part of that's—that's that's it. I thought it was gonna be more interesting because all we ever had were photo releases. And it's like rated R romantic comedy. I'm like, oh, all right, let's do this. And it's not romantic, and it's not a comedy. <laughs> and the, the chemistry is the chemistry's not, not there. there. It's really not. Nope. It looks like they learned their lines in the morning. I don't know. It looks like a rushed production. I mean, it looks like a. I mean. Trying to make some money, you know. They both coming off big projects, and they're like, "Okay, give me that big paycheck. I need two mil." Who are the hottest stars right now? Yeah. Now let's move on to one of the better trailers of the week: "The Curse." Yes. Nathan Fielder, <laughs> his new show with Benny Safdie and Emma Stone, released its trailer. It's coming out. It's a, it's a series, and it looks absolutely fantastic. It looks incredible. It's about this reality TV show that's in production, and their home talk, improvement. Home improvement and they're like pretending to make the community a better place. And then Fielder's character um, shames the little girl and, and takes back the money he gave her on camera. And the girl curses him. And then we can't tell exactly what happens, but from the filmmaking and the tone of the trailer, it looks like it's just going to be fucked up, really bizarre, and just a lot of fun. It looks hysterical. Yeah. I can't wait. I, think, I, I yeah. love Nathan Fielder and his comedy, but then Emma Stone plays his wife in this movie like they're a home improvement couple. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I cannot wait. Safdie's the director of the yeah. show. It looks great. It's, it's gonna be incredible. I can't because I mean I loved the rehearsal so much, and mm-hmm. then Nathan for you is just an iconic showman. And Fielder looks like he's doing a great job acting opposite Emma Stone. There, there are some emotional and dramatic scenes in the trailer, and he's like, looks like he's holding his own. Well, the thing with him and his style of comedy, you have to be a good actor have to, to be, be able good, to do yeah. what he does in terms of like, is he ever gonna? He never breaks character, so mm-hmm. he's like always in it. He's just got intense focus as a performer, I think, and you have to have that as a great comedian. Yeah, I'm really curious to see him uh, like doing a, a role that isn't his Nathan for you character. It's gonna be similar, probably a little bit. But yeah. 
<laughs> I fucking but love like, it looks like he's emoting a lot, so I'm looking forward to that. He's he's hysterical. Yeah. And there's he he's done so many things before he started getting big. Besides Nathan, for you, he's do these fun interviews that were like he's like an interviewer, but roasting people at the same time, like Ali G style, kind of. Yes, yeah. exactly. And mm-hmm. so there's one he did for what's the Christmas movie that Seth Rogen, JGL, and Anthony Mackie did. The um, night before. The night before, yeah. So he's interviewing them. He knows Seth Rogen. They're like old friends in uh, comedy coming up. Yeah. And obviously it's a joke interview, but he starts ripping into them like these hilarious questions. Like he asks them like how much they made each, and then Mackie made less than Seth Rogen. <laughs> <laughs> and then he starts roasting them about that. But then he's like, all right, so we have uh, a white guy, we have a black guy, and we have a gay guy in this movie. And he looks to JGL. <laughs> and JGL's also like, I'm not gay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like between two ferns. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's, it's like that style of comedy. That's so fucking funny. But Nathan funny. For You, you got to look it up, everybody. Oh it's so funny. Nathan For You interviewing the cast for the night before. Oh, man. It's I gotta great. Watch that. But no, it's all a joke. Mm-hmm. Next trailer we had was Pain Hustlers, which has a stacked cast, but I'm not feeling the trailer so much. It's Emily Blunt, Chris Evans, and Andy Garcia starring this film together. It's basically about Big Pharma, and it looks like a... Uh, a woman who's trying to find a new job. She's like down on her luck kind of mm-hmm. thing. And she starts working for this pharmaceutical company, clearly just selling drugs at incredibly high prices to people and duping them out of just money. Yeah. And just basically taking advantage of the system because the people they're paying not that much money for the, the drugs, obviously, but for like the insurance company payout for each sale you get is massive and so this company takes advantage of it. It's like it's, it's like, like the penny stock, stock system in Wolf of Wall Street, exact yeah. same kind of concept. And so the trailer it doesn't look amazing. And I, I don't know. It, it's just I think it's a Netflix movie or Netflix a movie, Netflix yeah. movie. Yeah. And a lot of the Netflix movies they just kinda look the same. It has like the um, it has this like flat digital cinematography style yeah. that you, all those have. It just looks like plain. Yeah. It, I was not really excited by the trailer, even though the cast is incredible. Cast is great. I mean Andy Garcia looks great. Mm-hmm. Like he looks cool with a beard. I don't think I've ever seen him with a beard in a movie like I love that. Andy Garcia, yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. And also, I mean, the Pharma hustling kind of movie has been pretty popular lately. There's been a bunch of them. Yeah, there's been quite a few the yeah. last, like, five years. So I just wasn't feeling the trailer. It's. I think it's a trend of kind of a kind of movie that's going to maybe fall out very soon. Because Dumb Money is, like, another one of the hustling kind of movies. Like, I feel like they're not performing well. Yeah, but it's a Netflix release, that's so true. they don't even really care about box office. That's true, that's true. All right, what was the final trailer? The Strangers. We got a clip from... So, The Strangers, even though it's already been a horror franchise, it's getting a trilogy reboot. Mm. And so, this will be The Strangers Chapter 1. Trilogy. And they released their first clip, which looks okay. Mm-hmm. It's about uh, the lead girl. She There's a knock on her door, so she glows. Are there strangers outside? <laughs> <laughs> she goes and looks through the, the peephole at, at her door. Uh-huh. And she's looking for like a People. minute. What do you call that? <laughs> um, it's um, what is it called? Fuck. Uh, it's a door hole. <laughs> that sounds even worse. That sounds even worse, man. <laughs> um, so she's looking through the the thing, the pier hole, <laughs> and for like a minute straight, and there's no one there. And then in her house, someone walks by, and she doesn't notice. In the background? Yeah, uh-huh. like in the foyer behind uh-huh. her. But she's still looking through the peephole, and it's just, I guess. it's Yeah, I mean, I liked the first one, but I never thought it was, like, amazing. And then they made a sequel, then they made a prequel, 
and now they're making a, they made, a reboot. They made a prequel. Yeah, they made a, cre- a prequel to the Strangers. What's the? Str- how do they find the bags to put over their heads? Yeah, where do they get the masks? <laughs> um, so, the, but I like the original too with Liv Tyler and Scott it's Steven. Good. It's yeah, fun. It's good. It's good for home. I'm mean, not fun. But <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fun. It's a laugh riot. It's, I love horror movies. They're it fun. was um, Africa, oh, Brave Africa. Africa. <laughs> it was a laugh riot. <laughs> Patrick, you shouldn't have. <laughs> But, um yeah it's, it's 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 an odd thing that um the i the horror ips they're already they're being planned as trilogies from the get-go from this one and then the exorcist and then there was the halloween one so the studio studios with the ips they own with the horror franchises they're like we're gonna this is a trilogy already before they even get going but like yeah, but still, this clip's not like I've never seen this a thousand times in a horror movie. Yeah, same. But I mean, maybe it'll be good. But that was the final trailer clip that we're gonna talk about in this episode. That's it. No more trailers. Okay, here's some uh, miscellaneous news for the week. There are rumors floating around within the companies of Universal and Warner Brothers. And again, this is just speculation. But rumors are saying that Universal is interested in buying Warner Brothers sometime in the next four or five years. I don't believe that. We'll see. I mean... That's insanely expensive. I mean, Amazon just bought MGM. Yeah, but it's Warner Brothers. Yeah, but Universal's huge. Do you want that? I don't want that, though, because then we have just competing it's it's basically just no gonna, i don't want this. so here's this crazy stat then it's gonna be like eventually it'll just be amazon versus universal so in the 1980s 60 different network studios owned all of media there's so it was spread out amongst 60 different companies tv film um entertainment but now it's six companies own everything yeah the mega corporate yeah the mega corps and so it's um and even those are owned by Super companies, so like I mean, and even those are owned Universal, by Universal ultra super companies. Yeah, Universal's <laughs> owned by Comcast. There's really what, just one company yeah. that owns everything. <laughs> Warner Brothers is owned by AT and T. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's So there, are, there is like an even bigger company that owns these companies. But I mean, we're getting to the point where maybe, unfortunately, down the line, there will be one, one or two companies that own all the media. It'll be like one or two production companies, and then it'll be streamers, tech, tech companies yes. turn studios like yes. Netflix, Amazon, Apple, Hulu. They'll, I mean, Disney. Yeah. They'll all have their own still. Mm-hmm. I don't. Know and then there, there were rumors floating around that Iger is interested in selling Disney to Apple. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> when you think about it. I mean, Universal has a ton of money. They really do. And the thing with Warner Brothers is they they work together. I mean, Warner Brothers properties are at mm-hmm. Universal Parks and Universal Studios. So they already have a relationship. They co-distribute sometimes. They make a cut of each other's profits yeah. in some sectors. They're buddies. They, they hang out. <laughs> They're still competitors, but I don't know how I feel about that. I, don't, they, I, want, I want less. Uh, I, I want more companies in control rather than less companies in but control. But it's an inevi- inevitability. Yeah. It's it's just gonna happen. That's the way that, c- that capitalism works. There should be some kind of. I mean, there's the monopoly. There's a monopoly law that prevents a monopolization of an industry um, by large corporations. I think that. I mean, we gotta get to the point where that's gonna be an issue. It's pretty odd. It's yeah. pretty odd. But I guess Warner Brothers is hurting if they're even having conversations about this. Hurting more than we thought. Even though Barbie made 1.4 bill, you still owe me uh, some lunch. Shit. <laughs> well, I mean, in terms of rental, this <laughs> box office, it's odd. Uh, let's move on to some other miscellaneous. I did buy lunch. I bought Joy the other day. Oh, I still. Oh yeah, I didn't. Vent so well, that's the vet, that's right, the cool. that's the lunch. Right, Although cool. you should. Yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah, All right, deal. Yeah, that was it. All right, cool. Done. All right, Ocean's prequel. 
So another Oceans movie is going to come out. So Jay Roach has been announced as the director of the upcoming Oceans prequel starring Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling. We talked about this months ago, and he previously directed Bombshell, which starred Margot Robbie. So the Oceans prequel, I guess this will be Danny Ocean's parents? Yes. It'll be how he was conceived. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. How was Danny Ocean conceived in the womb? <laughs> Although, I mean... An Oceans movie period piece in the 70s? Sounds fun. Sign me up. And honestly, they both fit the mood and the aesthetic and vibe yeah. of the of the movies. I think Gosling fits it perfectly as well. But clearly, this is actually kind of genius just to capitalize on them two from Barbie and Ken and, yeah. and do it again. I think it could be fun. Although, I mean, for me, the Oceans movies really hinge on – I mean, it's, it's that cast. It's so great. So Dude, it's hard to – Cloney and Pitt. It's hard – and Damon. And, yeah, but, and, and Damon. Cheadle, but and, it's, no, but I mean, Cloney and Pitt are I mean, like the Clooney, leads. Yeah, yeah it's Clooney them two Pitt, together. Yeah. Um. We'll see. I mean, because the the cast of the cast has to work, so we'll see. It's all about chemistry. They clearly have chemistry. Yes, but uh, I wonder how many people will be in the crew because it doesn't have a number in the name. It's just oceans. Oceans. I mean, just make it them two. No, yeah, oceans you gotta two. Have a, you gotta have a crew. You gotta have a crew. Oceans origins. I wonder. Yeah, I wonder what they'll call it. Oceans it's just, seven. It's just called oceans, bro. That's what it's called. Oceans. All right. All right. I think. Well, maybe they'll change the title. No, they have to. It's IP, bro. Yeah. All right, next up, speaking of IPs, Francis Lawrence, the director, said in an interview that he regrets splitting up the last two Hunger Games movies. So Hunger Games, Mockingjay, just one book, not even that long of a book, probably like 350-something, and it was made into two films that were incredibly lackluster and ended the franchise on kind of a meh tone. He recently said, I totally regret it. I'm not sure everybody does, but I definitely do. What I realized in retrospect and after hearing all the reactions and feeling the kind of wrath of fans, critics, and people all at the spilt is that I realized it was frustrating and I can understand it. We got more, we got more on the screen of the book than we would have in any other movies because you're getting close to four hours of screen time for this final book. But in an episode of television, you have a cliffhanger. You have to wait a week or so. And so you just when you could just binge it and then you can see the next episode. So making people wait a year, I think, came across as disingenuous, even though it wasn't our intentions. We didn't want to be disingenuous. So I I, I mean, he took I mean, I thought it was a mistake because the movies shouldn't have been split. It's not that big of a story. It's not like Deathly Hallows where it's a 750-page book with a ton of story. And they picked a great spot, Deathly Hallows Part yes. 1 to end. Excellent at point. At the cottage. Yeah. This Hunger Games book... It's not that long. It's a pretty, it's a pretty straightforward story. Not much going on. It's not that dense. None of the books are. That doesn't mean they aren't great. They're awesome books, but it's, it doesn't deserve to be two movies. It would have worked so much better as one film. Yeah, I agree. And you know, that's good on him to admit that. And I'm sure there was a lot of studio pressure to make two movies as much yes. box office as possible. I'm sure that was a huge factor. It wasn't just Francis Lawrence's decision. Yeah, I mean, for, uh, Twilight did it. Harry Potter did it. Harry Potter, you had to. You had to do it. You couldn't yes. make that one movie. Yes. You could not make Deathly Hallows in one movie. <laughs> well, I would love to. Like, it'd be a seven-hour movie. Yeah. <laughs> it'd be great. Like, I'd be there for it. It'd be great. Let's move on to some other news. So, did we see a new trailer for The Killer last night? It was No, it wasn't new. It's what they released two weeks ago. But seeing it on a big screen, yeah. you see the little things. So, we saw it, We were at the movies last night and saw the trailer for The Killer. And it looks awesome, by the way. And there's some cool information about how Michael Fassbender never blinks on camera in The Killer. And David Fincher's focus, pull, focus puller highlighted something remarkable 
that he didn't blink at all. And this is to quote him, to quote Fincher, Michael's eyes betray a lot. He can hold a lot of conflicting things in his mind, and his eyes allow you to access it. He's like Daniel Craig in that way, saying, I can do it better. Tell him to stop one-third of an inch shorter, and he can fine-tune that technical stuff while on top of that, he's got really good ideas about behavior. He has this gift as an actor, but clamped on top of it is this of this is this incredible discipline about how he subdivides his next move. Gets me so excited for this movie. He's a great physical actor and nonverbal actor. And so we saw the trailer uh, in theaters last night. And it's the same trailer, but I know, I know what you mean because while we were watching it, because it's on a big screen and because David Fincher, he likes to cut his movie his movie trailers very fast to the rhythm of the song that he's using. And then to keep the audience kind of disjointed and unable to really keep track of what the story of the film is. I've never really seen a trailer like it before. He did it with uh, Dragon Tattoo. Just the super fast frames. Exactly. Boom, boom, yeah. boom, 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 that, boom. When, he get, when the studio lets him cut his trailers, that's what he likes to do because he wants the audience to feel the movie and get a sense for everything while still not being able to understand what the story is because it's cut so quickly. And you're like, it's two-second cuts the whole trailer, and you can't really get a sense for any spoilers because they'll show like a revealing moment, but you're, when you go watch the movie, you can't remember that in your mind because the trailer shot was so short. It's a great way to edit a trailer for giving the audience a sense of the film without giving anything away. And it's I love that kind of editing. And then watching it on my phone... I couldn't really tell what was going on too much, but then watching it on the big screen, I saw the little moments, and I was like, oh, my God, this just it looks so much more brilliant when you can see it on the big screen. And the sound design yeah. is great, too. We're it, definitely going to see this in theaters. Oh, hell, yeah, select theaters only, so Los Angeles, New York, and some others for sure. Sorry, everybody else who lives in other states. Sorry, Idaho. <laughs> Sorry, Idaho. Really we roasted Idaho last week. We didn't roast them. We just said that they don't have an IMAX screen. They have one. Someone they have DM'd one. us. Right, yeah. I figured someone correct. One. All right, yeah. thanks for letting us know. Yeah, <laughs> they do have one in the whole state. That's unfortunate. <laughs> if I was a, if I had a hundred billion dollars, I would put IMAX screens all over Idaho. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> you better hope they first, show up. First order of business. <laughs> Our final bit of news was a new poster for Napoleon, and it slaps. It's just him charging on his horse. That's the poster. Going into battle. Yeah. Going into... Oh, I cannot wait. No for floating movie. heads. No Photoshop. It's it's just a po it's a poster that's an image from the film. And it, it just looks so great. It gets me fired up. And, you know, it's Joaquin really riding that horse, charging into battle. And I, I fucking love really it. Really killing people. <laughs> <laughs> it helps him get into the, to the yeah, character. I mean, he's a method actor, man. He's going to start slitting throats with that sword. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, that wraps movie news this week Thank you so much for tuning in Episodes recently Last week we did some great ones We did an episode on horror hotties We did Jennifer's Body We did Pearl We did Ready or Not On Monday we did an episode on The Marauders The Marauders, our fan fiction This week coming up on Monday Tomorrow we're doing an episode on The best Stephen King adaptations. We're talking about the horror movies, The Shining, Carrie, but also movies like Stand By Me, Shawshank, just talking about all of his best movies. We go through his 20 best adaptations as well as some honorable mentions. We ranked it from best to worst. Yeah, it was a lot of fun because he's made so, he's written so many amazing books with over 50 film and TV adaptations. It's crazy. It's insane what he's done for horror. And then on Wednesday, we did a review on The Town. The Town Kid. The Town Guy. It was Wicked Pissa. You don't want to miss that. And then Letterboxd Recap came out this past Last Friday, we watched a bunch of movies. I watched 65 movies last week. Yeah. <laughs> and then, obviously, you all know our short film, Midnight Ruin, premiered on YouTube. Oh, you yeah. Check it out for free anytime. Please leave us an IMDb rating. A Letterboxd review would be great as well in rating. But also, the ratings on Letterboxd were getting flagged for 
too many fives, people, it's there's an algorithm that says it could be review bombing. So yeah. if you could leave like a four point five, if you're gonna leave a five, go down to four point five. But leave whatever yeah. rating you want. Yeah, we're gonna try and work it out. We got the the algorithm prevents um this thing called review bombing, and it wasn't review bombing. They're they're genuine reviews. Yeah. But like, if a film gets an extreme amount of ones and an extreme amount of fives, uh, compared to other ratings, it will take down those ratings from the overall average score. So. We're gonna tr we're, we're gonna try and get in contact with them and see if we can get our score bumped up based upon all the fives. I hope you enjoyed. It's only 18 minutes long. It's a quick watch. We're getting such great responses. So thank you to everyone who's supported us this past year with that film and has checked it out. And and the response has been incredibly inspiring yeah. and motivating. So thank you so so much, everybody, for checking it out. Thank you for watching Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button, hit the like button as well, notifications for sure. Listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere you can listen to podcasts. And be sure to check out this other content we have on our YouTube channel.